social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website DePietro.com. I want to share with you, Channel 12 put out um, this story of it actually broke yesterday but there's there's an a miss there's a missing uh 11 year old boy apparently went out christmas night which was saturday night 11 o'clock at night um 11 o'clock 11 o'clock at night he's 11 years old a little late right it's christmas so channel 12 put out uh, he lives on Atwell's Avenue. His last name, his name is Irwin. Um, here is the message that uh, Channel 12 has uh, put out. I guess they talked to his mother. What are we supposed to do with that? Are we supposed to know what she was saying? You know, I've been complaining about third world. What 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 are we to make of that? Um, there's so much about this that we don't know. Now, listen. Obviously, you want the little eleven year old boy to return home safely, but look at the problems that ensue. Where are these people from? Clearly, does not speak English. Apparently, the little boy does not speak English. Otherwise, they'd be speaking to him in English. Do you see the problems that set up when you allow a sanctuary city, when you encourage these people, the way Mayor Lors and others have come to come here? Do you know the resources that are being used right now by Providence Police? Try to locate. I don't know where they're from. Here's what I would explain. Listen, you're now in Rhode Island, and you're in Providence, apparently. And 11-year-old children should not be going out at 11 o'clock at night. What do you mean he went out at 11 o'clock at night? What time was he expected back? I don't want to get too old school here, but I'm trying to think. I think I think when I hit high school, I think when I was in high school, I could start to stay out till 11 o'clock. But I'd have to think about it. <laughs> I think... I don't think that was even my freshman year of high school. Maybe, I don't remember, maybe sophomore year of high school could stay out till 11. Where's an 11-year-old, he doesn't drive. Where's an 11-year-old boy going on Christmas night? He's going out. He lives on Atwell's Avenue in Providence. I don't believe on Federal Hill. Atwell's Avenue goes well into, up into uh, Providence, you know, along Manton Avenue in Oneyville. So, so let's bring a message from the mother and she clearly doesn't speak English. So, but they need to explain, listen, it's not safe. I don't know where you're from. And maybe it's a tradition that on Christmas night, all the little children go out. I don't know what, looking for Santa. Uh, I know, you know, the kids go out on Christmas Eve and put out the reindeer food, but maybe it's a different type of tradition. I'm trying to withhold judgment here. Obviously we want this to have a happy ending i don't know where how this is going to end but i do know that some of the public officials that insist on having and running a sanctuary city and encouraging these people to come here from different third world countries to take some responsibility for this that's how i view it i think people like mayor and members of the council and others that again they encourage these individuals to move here they're not citizens they bend over backwards to register them to vote and get their vote. They, they are then responsible that some of these people may not recognize that, you know, maybe you think you come from a dangerous country, but guess what? You just landed in a dangerous 
city. I repeat, I certainly hope that this story has a happy ending and it was some kind of a misunderstanding that they play hide-and-go-seek on Christmas night. Other than that, I'm not sure how that message is going to help the situation. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Heating season is here. Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a natural gas, high-efficiency carrier infinity system. Energy-efficient, quiet, and more affordable than you think. If you're saying no gas, guess what? No problem. Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a high-efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, it can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market, and they also do new installation and replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. JKL, carrier factory authorized dealer, licensed, by the way, in both Rhode Island and Massachusetts for 55 years. JKL's reputation, second to none. Call JKL Engineering today. Replacements, whether it's for a system replacement, oil to gas, or for a heat pump. Estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial, called JKL, 401-351-7600. They do it right. They do it right the first time. This winter, you can depend on JKL Engineering, 401-351-7600, licensed in both Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, which is dpetro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he is the managing editor at anchorising.com. It's our friend Justin Katz. And uh, Justin, I'd like to start off uh, our discussion with politics this week. And <clears throat> last week, admittedly, I even went to the uh, media briefing. I, I, I'm not a fan of the way Governor McKee does it. It's very, very controlling. I don't know if that fully comes through, but they pick who gets to ask a question, which is one thing, but they hold the microphone. They, they You don't get a follow-up. It's not really conversational. It's really kind of like a, a running run out the clock, but uh, obviously, you know, the governor moved ahead, Governor McKee, and was firm on this this mask mandate as much as I you know, when I was trying to make the argument that even Governor Baker refrained from that, it certainly makes uh, the governor of Massachusetts is it's a mask advisory for businesses along the, you know, the Massachusetts and Connecticut line. They're the ones that really feel it because then people could just say, oh, forget it. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to go one mile across the border and I won't have to deal with this. But um, but he he almost seemed they almost seemed stunned. Like, really, would that be a problem? And I, I did see a story where. The spokesperson for the Federal Hill Association, Rick Simone, was saying that it it was already, you know, a major problem uh, with people storming out of restaurants and didn't want to show their vaccine card. And and uh, and already, you know, we'll learn more as we get into it. But I want to start off with just your reaction to uh, it's one thing to announce it. And then honestly, um, to me, seemed a little tone deaf. The governor was even saying, gee, I disappointed the pc georgetown game was was canceled like you know it i I don't know to me this i have stronger thoughts is like a pattern now of he seems fixated on these fringe groups as opposed to the bulk general you know businesses say it's a problem when we have to play mask police yeah i I think he's a guy with i mean his his instincts are probably better than many Rhode Island politicians given his background in business and as a mayor, but he's, he's so reactive to special interest through or keep him from getting through the, the primary for his race for governor. Then I think he just, he lets those instincts go out the window and that, that creates that tone deafness. I mean, this is, this is a terrible policy and just, just on the faces of it, you could predict it. I mean, at, at the best you're putting, small businesses, which are most businesses, into this awkward situation of having to either check vaccines or just blanket mandate that people have masks, uh, which is is guaranteed to create conflicts. People storming out of businesses. And I've seen the commentary online, you know, people saying, okay, I guess I will leave here and go across the border. Right. And that, that that is a real issue. And what's, what's yes. most key about that from, from, you know, one of the reasons 
people around here seem to think we ought to have big centralized government is that experts can make better decisions. But this is a great indication of how that's just not true because the people who will heed a mask mandate and listen are the ones who are going to be safe anyway because they're going to be vaccinated. They'll probably even be boosted. Uh, so they'll comply, but they didn't have to in the first place. It's all the other people in the margins who will not. And that's where all the action is and all the, the problem arises. And it just creates a really, a really difficult situation for businesses. I suspect um, a lot of businesses are kind of trying to keep their heads down. <laughs> I'd be very surprised if they tried to kick people out of out of the businesses for not wearing a mask or what have you, unless there happens to be somebody in there shopping uh, that they know to be a, a, a state stormtrooper, so to speak. But I think they the real problem is just, it's just, it's unclear. The, the rationale isn't obvious. Uh, and a lot of people, it's just not in a mood of the public. I mean, I know a lot of people going to the Christmas masses this last weekend. It, it's almost difficult to know what you're supposed to do. Do we wear masks? Right. Do we not? Um, and yeah. I, it creates an awkward situation in, in every area of our lives. It's just, just bad policy. And I, I don't think he understands why, or maybe instinctively he knows it will be, but he's, he's kind of wishful thinking it wouldn't be. Yeah. I, and I, um, I, that's that you raise a very good point. And I, I am also Justin Katz. I'm, I'm thrown a little bit. I don't know what to believe anymore. You know, I go to these press briefings and he'll say, as you know, Rhode Island continues to be number one in the nation, blah, blah, blah. And I can't find that anywhere. I mean, I read what comes, maybe you can find it, but what comes out of the New York times, I never see us listed. All States seem to say that something else I catch up. Oh, I, you know, I just gave small businesses 30 million. You know, who who got the 30 million and how is it distributed and when do they get it? And what is that money used for? Like, there's all these things that are just thrown out. But, you know, then in reality, in some way, good thing that we have social media, because to me, it serves a purpose. You can see real time people are putting up comments and in the, the mandate, they, they just wouldn't budge on it. But my point was in Massachusetts, and if you read some of the experts are saying, you know, you, you have to get away from the mandates. People instinctively rebel. Even people that are in favor of people wearing masks feel it's better to just advise them and then they'll do it. Almost as if, you know, if it's going to snow, we encourage people to stay off the roads. Where you run into trouble is when you demand, all right, no one can go on the road. Like that's, I'm just surprised that this, and maybe it's the staff, but Justin, Justin they, they, there seems like to be like this mental block. Like they're not, they're not seeing what's really going on out there. No, I, th I think that's correct. I think, and I think part of it is the, I mean, he, he is dealing with the legacy of garbage for a, a year or more uh, yeah. before he got into office. But I, a lot of it is, I think this whole issue in particular has been handed off to sort of what you might call subject matter experts, although they're not really experts. Uh, you know, the, the folks in the Department of Health who this is their solution because they're paid to think about health. And so they're not worried about the economy. They're not really that knowledgeable about psychology and, uh, and group psychology. So they, you know, you ask them, what should we do? Okay. Everybody should mask. And that's just become kind of the standard. Okay. Then I guess we'll do that. And I, I so I think that's where it's, it's coming from. And he doesn't have a good answer because he doesn't have apparently the spine to stand up to them or to the people calling lot a lot of the people in that sort of i don't know what percentage say the, the five one to five percent of people who really pay attention and they'll tweet at the governor all the time and some of them are re respectable people in society and even doctors and such they they're convinced that this is the policy you know the, well, masking is masking works masks work but you know and they'll put up studies but the, the studies show the problem is compliance people just don't do it right it's sort of like it, it, I, it's almost it gets a little crass but it, it almost reminds me of you know, like birth control right i mean it, it's effective if right. everybody uses it right but you can't guarantee you that you use it right and in fact what they find is if you if you encourage kids to use birth control doing what you didn't want them to do and not using the birth control and it makes problems worse. That's kind of what you get with masking. Uh, sorry, but not, not the best analogy I've ever come up with. But um, the, so I, I think that's, that's, they just aren't thinking things through. They aren't the experts they think they are, but they have like the governor is almost like the personification of not knowing what else to do because politically people they care about want to hear that they're doing something and they don't know what to do. So what they do is they mask kids in school. They, tell businesses to enforce masks. 
just not a recipe for good good public policy. You know what else I find is, and, and they don't get it, there's several factors. Number one, it, it also to me, trickles down to the White House. I mean, you really saw last week, President Biden was caught flat-footed. This business of, you know, we learned two months ago they could have ordered these testing and then they didn't do it. And then he just announces every American, you know, 500 million tests in January. It, that doesn't help. It's before the holidays when people want to see family. I don't think Governor McKee wants to admit it, but they were totally caught flat footed. You know, they the testing people were complaining weeks ago that it would take six to seven days to get a test back. They didn't have it. I also find Justin. But this is part of where it comes into the staff. And that is, you know, for the governor to just sit there and every time being saying we're getting shots in arms, get your vax, make sure you get the booster. It's it, it just, you know, there's no imagination behind it. I'm not saying you're going to reinvent the wheel, but there's something to be said for breaking through to the public. I also think something that is not resonating, this whole business of, you, you know, you do it to protect others. I've always gotten a flu shot. I, I can tell you right now, honestly, I've never gotten a flu shot to protect others. I would get a flu shot just because I, we always found we were getting germs from our from our children. Um, I, I just think that he that he doesn't even realize it's it's flat, ineffective. They spent so many months patting themselves on the back that now that this thing has actually, unfortunately, flared up again. I just find that it's it's like a team that they don't have any new plays in the playbook. They just keep going back to, you know, if anyone's ever played, you know, just pick up football or touch football. It's like, go long. All right, go long. All right, go long. Like, they, they just, you know, there, there's nothing. He hasn't said or done anything that I thought, okay, that's different and that could make a difference. Yeah, I, I I think you're putting your finger on something very very correct there, and and there, it's funny to you mentioned when you when you don't have any new ideas, sometimes you and when you're being told just keep pushing the same message, you look for new ways to do it, and so we get we get the Biden White House putting uh was it lip syncing nurses dancing oh, around singing a God. song, just, just yeah. cringeworthy stuff. Terrible. McKee's not quite that creative, or his staff no. isn't, so instead we get a a sincere holiday message of him, you know, very close cropped on his face on on Twitter. Uh, equally ineffective in its own way. I, I, they do not have any ideas and they, they don't give the sense that they do. And in fact, Biden and McKee are very similar almost, and this is not a compliment for McKee in any stretch of the imagination since Biden's pretty much a senile old man at this point. But um, the, they, they both give this impression like they, they're just mouthing words. Yeah. You know, I mean, one thing, whether whatever anybody thought of the things that Donald Trump would say, and sometimes I think he spoke a little bit too loosely, he gave the impression, especially with COVID, like I, I recognize this is a problem and I'm looking into it. I'm going to, in fact, he got himself into a lot of trouble talking about speculating about, you know, how yes, chemicals right. could affect it. And, I mean, he, and, and he was, that was all unfair how he was handled. But the reason he was vulnerable to that unfair, those unfair accusations was he did, he was thinking out loud and you can yeah. tell I'm engaged in this. I mean, that was the signal that came through, whether I'm right or wrong, I'm engaged. You don't get that sense from, from McKee. You don't get the sense that he's like, well, I recognize that this is the single biggest challenge for me as governor managing this. So I better me, not my staff, I, I don't order a report. I better find out everything I can and come up to my own conclusions so I can stand up to my staff when I need to. That's, I think that impression, whether it's, whether it's fake in some politicians or not, is something that's completely ab absent from McKee. That is an excellent, excellent point. You're exactly right. And there's, there's no personal story. There's no, I have a friend that, you know, got gravely ill. It's all totally just kind of reading the words as you're saying, going through the motions. Folks, quick break, a lot more. Politics This Week with Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Make Henry Oil your oil provider this winter. Give them a call today. Call Henry Oil, 401-521-0200, 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, serving most Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. Fuel, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, residential and commercial. It's Henry Oil. Give them a call. Since 1947, you can depend 
on Henry Oil. Call them today. Make Henry Oil your oil provider. 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200. Remember, online at henryoil.com. Go with the original. Go with the best. It's Henry Oil. Our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor at anchorising.com. Justin, uh, Governor McKee's going to benefit because of the long weekend that, you know, by the time this should be addressed or will be addressed, they would get some more tests. But it's one of those things. This broke late, um, a little bit under Christmas Eve. People were wondering where are the state had gotten Channel 10 reporter, and I give them credit, 100,000 free at-home test kits. And then uh, it turns out the Department of Health gave them to what they call the equity zones. Now, anyone that really reads between the lines, you can pick out the areas. Uh, there is part of Woonsocket, but mostly it's Providence, Pawtucket, Central Falls, another section of Providence. So, and, and when then when you read into this equity zone that Dr. Scott talks about, he's not going to get grief from this from other Democrats in the race. But, but everyone should know, I mean, I, one of the equity zones is in Oneyville. Um, it, listen, we're not stupid. The two biggest concentrations in Rhode Island of illegals are Central Falls and Providence. And the only reason I mention it is because I don't care what anyone says. When you have a situation that we just went through this last weekend, a lot of people wanted this uh, at-home test kit because you couldn't get any appointments available to test themselves before they were going to see friends and family, especially family. And there were none available. And the state did have 100,000. They wouldn't say where they went, just that they went to these equity zones. And and as I was going to say, I don't care what anyone says or how I am accused by other members of the media. The fact that people from other countries who are not even Rhode Island residents came here and got priority and they got the free test at home kits, that, that that's not equity. That that That's more activism from Dr. Scott. And to me, that falls right on the doorstep of Governor McKee and Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott. Well, yeah, all along the past year and a half, two years, it's almost they're like there are a handful of topics that keep coming up in different ways. And, and the equity, the, yeah. the critical race theory, the anti-racism, that's one of them alongside COVID. And, and together, they're just creating this disastrous uh, certain set of circumstances where you get situations like that. <clears throat> and it makes no sense to me. I mean, as, as what, what strikes me interestingly, and they call them equity zones, that kind of thing. And so they're, cool. they're dabbling in that language. When, you know, if, if I were just writing the political messaging to get out of this, I would say, point out that people in urban areas are more likely to catch diseases because it's true yep. and everybody knows it. You could, you could make that case, but they, they don't even do that. It's like no. they want to get credit. They want to get credit for their racism with the people who want the racist policies while not really not really addressing the problem that other people care about. And I, I think here, here, the thing with the, the rapid test to me is they're, they're pretty much useless. They, they don't, they don't really allow you to do much of anything. You can't really, you can't go on a flight. You can't go see a show. You can't say, yeah, I, here's my rapid test. They don't care. They want the PCR test everywhere. So the rapid tests are almost like a, you know, for self-management, which is much, which isn't, which is only really useful in a in an inner city urban setting if it goes along with a really strong campaign of education of people how they should be viewing these tests and use, utilizing them, and I so the fact that that hasn't exist and that you kind of get the sheepish oh we're giving them out in equity zones it shows it's not thinking it's no. it's, it's it's I think it's two things you've got the political thing McKee right now needs to survive a primary and so he's he's thinking where are the where are the progressives where are the people right. how do I impress them yeah give it give it to the inner cities I need their votes oh. I need and I think that's what he's thinking and then you've got like Dr. Scott and, and the rest of them you know who've been photographed at Black Lives Matters Black Lives Matter rallies right. and so on. Yeah. All of them thinking, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. We're, we're making up for past injustices. Like, That's right. We're not gonna, we're not gonna, we're not gonna give these tests to, to you know suburban families that that could 
buy the test if, if there were any to buy, but who are going to be having big family parties. Those people, they've, they've had too many privileges. We're going to give it to the inner city people. I wouldn't be surprised if you find out that they're now quietly shuffling them out of there because they didn't get taken or used. Um, because the people who are paying attention and using rapid tests are probably going to be exactly the suburbanite paying a lot of attention, having big family parties, that kind of thing. Um, but I, so I think all around these, this whole approach, with the, the, race equity and the, and the COVID, just everything is so out of whack and it's leading to these kind of things. And, you know, all of it to me is a big, big distraction from the fact as you started out by saying that if, if it's taking six days to get your test, wow, I mean, right. you're, you're done by then. You can't do anything anyway. And uh, I saw a lot of people pointing out on social media, in some instances, say flying or what have you, you need to have had that test within a certain period of time. And it's not six days. So you have to have had the test within, say, 48 hours. It's not going to do you any good if it was 84 hours, you know, or whatever. That's not that's not really going to be satisfactory. And so I think in that regard, the government really needs to Go to plan B because testing isn't working, not not necessarily because tests don't work, but because the government can't do it. So you've got to come up with the next best thing. And and that, that would be that would actually make a big difference if they would say, you know what, we're going to switch everything. So now the rapid test counts. That would be a big policy that might make some sense. Uh, but we'll never see that because, as we've been saying, they're, they're just being reactive. Our segment is politics this week. Again, with me is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorizing.com. Justin, I also want to come back to only when I, I asked the governor about, you know, a bit, especially businesses right along the border, Rhode Island Mass, and the fact that we have the mass mandate, they don't, and him saying, well, you know, every state does it differently. I, I mean, that's he, he literally lives about three miles, if that, maybe two from the Massachusetts line. There's no way anyone could rationalize why two states would have two completely different policies. I mean, and and maybe I had heard they thought or they were he was given information that Connecticut and Mass were going to move into the mask mandate. And then Rhode Island is the outlier. But um, the other thing about the testing is at the very least. And again, I'm going to go off social media. People kind of posting that they went to a party. They felt a little off. Maybe it could have been a bug. They wanted the home test just to see maybe did they just have just maybe like a little holiday bug that was going around or did they in fact have the uh, Omicron? Did they were they in fact testing COVID? But but going forward, you and I both know that, you know, there's going to be this week. But then the week after that is when everyone's supposed to be back in the school. And Justin, I mean, you tell me, but I, I would not count. I mean, we already saw what happens with the unions. Anytime the public schools can move to distance learning, you know, for the safety of everyone involved, I, I would be very surprised if they don't announce that, that uh, you know, in January, to start up the new year, that all the schools are just going to distance learning. It's it's possible. The, I'm, the, the sense I'm getting, and I, I don't have any real data on this, but the sense I'm getting is there's enough difference from district to district that I don't comfortable kind of jumping it and taking it oh, out of their okay. hands. Across uh, but the I board. did. Yeah, but I, I have heard, you know, some some districts where they, they told the kids, just bring home your computer just in case, which sure. kind of upset if my kids got that instruction because I'd be worried what was coming. But one, one thing to remember, I mean, one thing surprised me, there are people who really think it's just an obvious thing. Oh, Omicron's going up. Do distance learning again. Well, no, look at the data. That did not right. work. It's, it's really children but there are people right. who don't who don't realize that and no. they they are a strong consistency con constituency but i i i have a feeling they're good it, it may be a school here or there uh, the others will feel it out and see how they're doing you know in the first couple of weeks of january before making any decisions before we go to the break there have been a several stories saying that our our healthcare system is ready to implode uh it's in crisis mode but nowhere in the stories do they really talk about you know the number of frontline workers you know that we know were forced out of the forced out of the job october 1st because they they wouldn't get the vaccine it also seems totally odd now of you know there were lab technicians that don't even deal with patients that were forced out because they wouldn't get the vaccine and what we what we doesn't make sense is there were people who were vaccinated got the booster and they're still getting it so i'm not sure if i understand the difference of someone that had it 
and then now won't get the vaccine compared to uh, someone that then automatically got it. But they I'm just saying that they had been forced out. Are, are you surprised that they still won't bend to these frontline workers and say, you know, this is crazy. We, we need I mean, I think there were t- over twelve hundred, thirteen hundred people that left their jobs because of the mandate, at least. I, I, I mean, I'll be I'm surprised at this point that they have not moved to we need to reconsider things and get these people back into the pipeline. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm surprised they haven't started to make those noises, although it yeah. is kind of difficult messaging. I, I, I personally think a lot of what we're seeing with the COVID reaction right now from government is just they went they they put all their chips on one car on one yeah. spot on the board. And, and how do you go back from that? I mean, if you if you caused if you contributed to all this confusion, people losing months of pay, uh, the people who can't get hospital beds because there's nobody to work on them. And then you went, oops. I mean, that's, that's kind of a big oops to do, but so I think we'll, we'll we're going to continue. Maybe they'll try to find ways to ease, but they, they're kind of invested and you see it in the news stories. I mean, uh, Globe, uh, and Brian, is it Brian Emerald? He yeah. had a, like a really like, it was apocalyptic. It if, you was. Read, if you if you just read this story, you would think people were dying on the streets in Rhode Island yes. from COVID. Uh, and and then Patrick Anderson, kudos to him in the Province Journal, did a much better job of saying, okay, what's really causing this nursing shortage? Uh, and you know he he made the big point that you know it was already a problem. COVID has just kind of put it over the edge. Um, but even he kind of made it sound like the the vaccine issue was minimal. But for he gave numbers for lifespan. Lifespan is short, two thousand from where it was a couple of years ago, 200 of them were because of the vaccine mandate. So that's 10% of their shortfall, which is not minimal. That's, that's, a, that's quite a number of beds. I, I tried to do some research. If you, if you two to four per worker, you're talking, you know, at that point, scores or hundreds of more people could be in hospital beds uh, if that's the crisis. But I think in those regards, the big, big thing that Rhode Islanders need to, to look at is just, and I've written about this in several posts on, on Anchor Rising, this was an, a long ago, this is a long building problem with trying to govern our hospital system the way it, it's governed and right. and what and that really the, the big bigger lesson is that that applies to everything around here right now the crisis is in healthcare because that's that's we're in a, a pandemic but it's going to be a roving crisis and we're going to be seeing more and more of this because the same kind of rules apply to construction to, to whatever industry you want to talk about it's it's so it's 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 covid right now but next time it'll be a different industry and we'll all be saying oh what do we do about this crisis i think we we what we should be doing right now is saying, and um, Representative Republican Representative Chippendale started down this road, and others have been starting to. Even Seth Magaziner, uh, candidate for governor on the Democrat ticket, was has been uh, trying to edge into a, a contrary with McKee on this one. But start looking at these regulations for licensing nurses, uh, yes. and and all these kind of things we're not doing. And what we ought to do is sit down, look at every regulation on the board pick out the ones you just can no longer justify, wipe them out, and then take that lesson and go to other industries and saying, we had the same thing in nursing. We don't need it here either. Get rid of it. Uh, that could be a good outcome if, if we could get government to learn from that. But, it, I, you know, I just, as you point out, I just don't see them doing it. I don't know that they will because I don't think they, they uh, it's like admitting they've destroyed their state. And yeah. how, do you, how, do you, how do you come back from that? Folks, quick break, a lot more. Politics this week with Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus. For heating and cooling, call Propane Plus today in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. In Rhode Island, Propane Plus number 401-885-4209. It's the Johnson family. It's Propane Plus, the leading full-service provider of propane to Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Not only can they install your tank, and schedule propane deliveries, but they can service your entire heating, cooling system, and install any propane or natural gas appliances. Locations in East Greenwich and also in Rehoboth. Remember, Propane Plus is energy for everyone. It's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and also now it's renewable. Online at propaneplus.com. Propane Plus, heating and cooling. In Massachusetts, call the Rehoboth office, 508 508- Two five two thirty three fifty nine, and in Rhode Island four zero one eight eight five forty two zero nine. You can depend 
on Propane Plus. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, Managing Editor at AnchorRising.com. Justin, I'd like to get and talk a little bit predictions for 2022. I want to start off while we do that. Um, and I didn't ask you in advance, but I'm, I'm just going to say, you know, I don't, I don't know about person of the year or anything like that, but I, I would almost say to me, someone in the political realm who made a difference, who's a newcomer on the scene, and that is uh, Nicole Solis. She, see, to me, there's a lot of lessons the Republican Party could learn from her, good government groups. She was almost, without even trying, but dragged in on an issue, made it very easy to understand. Uh, I think accomplished a lot without, you know, spending a lot of money, really zeroed in on an issue. Um, I, I just think more than anyone, I think she and I, in my opinion, had more impact than anyone that's an elected official. Um, it certainly, you know, some of the people that other people may say made a big difference, whether it was Dr. Scott or Governor McKee or anyone like that. But um, I, I just think she is the prototype. Other people and, and I, again, say the Republican Party should really look at how she emerged on the scene Um Owning an issue, getting involved, and then, and I think making a difference only because uh, there was a lot of fallout after what happened to her in South Kingstown. So I didn't ask you to list it, but I, I see her as the type of individual who, again, not high paid or anything, not paid at, at all, but who, who emerged on the scene in 2021 and made a big difference. Yeah, I, I think so. I think if you if you had asked me in advance, I probably would have come up with the same name, and we would have had to fill in the time somehow. Yeah. But uh, the I think I think you're right. Everybody else I can think of who, who made a difference is did it in the same kind of way, but at a smaller scale. Uh, and and also taking into account that she was part of a nationwide push, uh, yes. which which really does affect Rhode Island. When a mm-hmm. lot of people, especially among conservatives, a lot of sometimes the best way to reach another Rhode Island conservative who lives in the next town over is to get national press. Uh, so I think that that really helped around here as well and started to change some of the conversation. I think it was yep. it, it was almost like uh, it reminds me of Youngkin winning in Virginia. It's, yeah. it's sort of taking a, a lot of us felt uh, when when Donald Trump won the White House, and then afterwards, he 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 had real lessons conservatives and Republicans needed to capitalize on. And yeah. I think what we're people like Youngkin and and Nicole is is people who think that in a in a way not quite as you know not with without some of the the problems that that Trump brought with him. But I think taking that lesson of standing up, not mm. backing down, and I, I think that we're seeing that nationwide, and, and she's probably. The, the leading representative of that kind of movement in Rhode Island. Um, do you have some political predictions for 2022? <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm not a, I, I don't like to put myself on the line for with predictions, but I think Rhode Island's a kind of a strange place. Uh, and I think some of the tea leaves we're seeing, particularly in the last week, kind of surprising. It looks to me, for example, that Senate President Dominic Ruggiero is really sending out signals to the Democrats to chill out with the radical progressivism. Um, I mean, he came out and he said he doesn't see any change, any increase in the top tax bracket, you know, the tax the rich thing. And that's been a big, that's been a big, big push with his people in the labor unions. So, you know, those conversations are going on and they know they need to calm down. And even more, I've seen Ruggiero out there on, uh, on social media going after Matt Brown, who, who, you know, he's a, he's an upstart. So he's taking any opportunity he can to hit the establishment, including Ruggiero. And uh, Ruggiero's out there saying, you know, Matt Brown, you're just ripping off millennials to pay back your, your campaign debt. So, I mean, that's pretty tough language. So I think- They've really, I, I, and the fact that he's union aligned and that's the establishment progressives and t- bringing the, you know, the nationwide attention to the, the civil war, so-called, and progressives, I think the establishment in Rhode Island sees what's going on and they're going to have the power in a general assembly to hold off any, to hold off the progressive wave that we've seen in recent years. Uh, so I think we'll see a, not a more conservative, but less radical general assembly uh, in the next election. But the governor's race is going to be more interesting. I honestly, at this point, I don't, I don't think McKee's got what it takes to get through the primary. And it, yeah. frankly, I, I don't think if he did, I don't think he's got the chops to get through the a general potentially because he he's not building up 
that constituency because he's just too weak trying to cater to progressives and and flapping with the wind. So I yeah. I don't see him getting through the the uh, the primary, which leads you to ask who. I know you you've speculated that Gorbea has got kind of a yes. almost like a fraud wild card in yeah. her deck. I I I don't know that I, I'll hold off on. That's all right. I'm going to stay comfortable with that. I, my <laughs> prediction is going to be, I, I think finally this is going to be the year that the Rhode Island election system, the way it's done, is going to implode uh, because it's it's gotten so out of control. And what I think is it's it's the progressives that are more than willing to also milk the system and ballot harvest. And then, the you know, the traditional party members that were like the Mattiello, the Ruggiero, that would always just go out and hire that that guy that was the winning ways guy that was the ballot king, Ed Cadunio. I, I think our system is about to implode simply because people are going to see how, how much they've, they've just allowed uh, between the early voting, the mail ballots, the unsolicited mail ballots. I think it's all building up and it's, it's just going to erupt into a big fight. I'm going to hold with my prediction. I don't well, I don't think if, if Nelly Gorbia, she's running the election and she's running in the election. My other prediction is something you're going to see after this that people will say, if you're the secretary of state and you're going to seek higher office, you have to step down a year ahead of time because I, I believe I'm going to stick in, in my foxhole that uh, in, in nine months, people are going to see why they, they have to change that. It shouldn't be allowed. Well, that, I mean, that could really occur if, you know, if, if the establishment folks like Ruggiero are, are think they're, they've got the winning plan and they, they end up losing some of these races that they think are key, they may make some noise about it. Yeah. Uh, so that, that may really come to pass. But on the other hand, though, I, I mean, barring that kind of thing, I'd, I'd probably put my chips on Seth Magaziner. So he's, mm. the other candidates are going to have some, some reaction and some say. And so if, if you look at a Democrat primary and Gorbia comes out with, like she did with her poll. Oh, look, I'm almost winning. And everybody, everybody looks at each other and says, "What?" Uh, if if we if the election has that feel, the other candidates will jump in too. And and so they they're not exactly without their connections in the the field as well. So that that could be an interesting turn of events if that comes to pass. Justin, you do a fantastic job. We're very indebted. I want to wish you a very happy New Year. And uh, next year is going to be an exciting year to talk about politics this week. Yeah, I mean, thank you for this opportunity every every week for for the past couple of years. It's been a, been a great experience, and you have a, a wonderful new year, and all your listeners as well. Thank you, Justin Katz. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. Were you in an auto accident, someone damaged your vehicle? Folks, it can happen, whether it's people not paying attention, a drunk driver, people texting and driving. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Remember, with West Fountain Auto Body, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Call them today. If you were in an accident, drunk driver, someone texting and driving, minor fender bender, even a nearly totaled vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. They'll handle everything for you, the original, the best. And if you're in an accident and a tow truck pulls up, tell them, bring that car over to West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340, 401-272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They'll work for you, not the insurance company. If you're in an accident, call West Fountain today. Get it repaired, 401 272 3340. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, remember, you can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Check out the website, dipietro.com. We have original, unique, exclusive stories, videos, content, all our links to social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. It's all right there. And that's also the best way to reach me. Log on at the website, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com, DePetro.com. You're listening to The John DePetro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, joining us right now, as much as people think of the holidays and Christmas and all the excitement and a new year that it could bring on, uh, people think that they should be happy. It actually can, uh, there's people dealing with some very difficult feelings and there's been an epidemic 
of, uh, of grown men and middle-aged men taking their own life. And Dr. Rob, who specializes in this, and Dr. Rob, I think one of the first things is it's family members or maybe people see someone at a holiday party or just know of someone, and they, they want to reach out and, and find out just how someone is, is doing mentally during the holidays. Yeah, it, it's pretty common for some, some people to be really distressed at this time. And the most important thing you can do is to let somebody know you care. Just to say, hey, it seems like you're really struggling. Is there something I can help you with? Uh, would you like to talk about things? Um, let's sit down in a quiet place and, and just have some time together and, and try to see what's, what's happening here. Um, so that's, that's really important. Your expression of care can restore hope to people who are feeling pretty hopeless sometimes. So very it- important. And folks, this leads to this website that Dr. Rob's going to direct people to. We've been doing this now over several months. We're going to continue into the new year. And uh, it's it's mantherapy.org. And Dr. Rob, you know, again, as I said, people see, oh, I, I should be happy. And they see the lights and Christmas. But this time of year and a new year, it, it can emote, uh, bring up a lot of past memories. Uh, you know, people even refer to it as ghosts of Christmas past. We remembered when you were a child and then you think of, Maybe there are people that are no longer with us. And, and for varying different reasons, it, it can actually be a very difficult time for people mentally. It, it can be. And uh, middle-aged men particularly in general are, are very resistant to seeking help sometimes. And there's a certain stigma about going to see a therapist or going to even see your own doctor sometimes. Um, so one of the resources that people need to know about is this uh, web, website called mantherapy.org. Or you can just anonymously go to the website and check out your own mental health status. That's what's called a 20-point head inspection that helps a guy figure out, am I just being stressed or are they really suffering from depression or, or some other mental uh, health challenge? Um, and there's lots of resources listed on there, too. It, it, in the first place, it's a very humorous uh, site with lots of funny videos, but there's also some really valuable resources available there, too. And again, you don't have to face the stigma of uh, seeing somebody going into a, a therapist's office or something. So just go to the website, go to the website of mantherapy.org and, and check it out. It's really a lot of value there. Folks, we speak with Dr. Rob. And Dr. Rob, not only that, but because there is a website and there's a link, people could either send it through text message, they could send an email, received a nice email from this woman that hadn't seen a brother in a while, talked to him, did not sound good, did not sound like himself. And after our conversation, she she just sent him the, the email. She didn't have to talk about it. She just sent him the email and the link. And then uh, and it, it turned out that, that there was something much deeper that's going on. So um, that is one portion of this. And Dr. Rob, you've also been so good and such a leader on leading people. People think about taking a CPR course, but there's even a course that people can take to look for warning signs when there's someone who has kind of lost their way. Yeah, this course is called QPR, which stands for Question, Persuade, and Refer. And it basically teaches any any adult citizen how to recognize that a warning sign that someone might be thinking about suicide. And then it uh, helps them to be able to answer the question directly. Uh, are you thinking about taking your life? Or are you thinking about suicide? And then let me help persuade them to let you help them get some help, uh, just as a friend or a neighbor or a coworker not a professional, but just somebody who cares about them, and then to refer them appropriately. Uh, it's important to realize that not everybody who might be thinking about suicide needs to go to the emergency room. Not everybody needs 911 called. Uh, so this teaches you how to do this. It gives you some real tools, and as I said, how to recognize first and how to respond that someone may be thinking about suicide. It's been Studies have shown it really saves lives. Folks, again, it's the website is mantherapy.org, and I want people to understand that this is the age group that this really focuses on is middle-aged men. There's been rampant. Uh, it's, it is an epidemic of uh, middle-aged men that have been taking their life. It doesn't have to be that way. So whether it's a spouse or a friend or a coworker, whoever it may be, mantherapy.org, we're going to continue our conversations with Dr. Rob into the new year. Dr. Rob, I want to thank you once again for your expertise, expertise, sensitivity in talking about it and dedication to it. You are literally saving lives, and thank you, thank you for agreeing to continue our conversations. Well, I'm delighted to, John. I really appreciate all your support and help in this. It's the, I think it's a great service to the community, and thank you so much. 
Well, health continues to be an important part of our daily lives. That's why you need to stop in and see the queen of health. It's Maria. It's my health because it's your health. But it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Look for her on Facebook. You can also call her at 401-305-3585. You know where she is, right in that very majestic old white church diagonally across from Davidport Restaurant. It's my health. And inside, pop in. You'll see vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products like acai, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Wait till you see the selection. Over 250 bulk herbs, teas, spices purchased by the ounce plus boxed herbs and teas plus hemp and CBD products. Stop in natural skincare products, hair care products. It's my health, because it's your health. Stop it and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you can receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional, and she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401 321 2799. That's 401 321 2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. To check out our website, dipetro.com, which is sponsored by and brought you by the Senadale Revival Comfort Food and Cocktails, located 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. Shane and his crew, what a wonderful job they've done. Winner of several Rhode Island Best of Awards, Best of Rhode Island Awards. The Senadale Revival. Delicious food, cocktails, a lot of fun. Stop it and see them. 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. Now, while you're there... Uh, there's a lot of exclusive stories. Folks, we cover stories the rest of the media ignores. It's real news, whether it's video that we're out at a crime or a protest or various things that are happening, plus other exclusive stories that we break. Log on at the website. That's also the best way to reach me, by the way. If you'd like to get in touch with me, just scroll down a little bit. You'll see a, a button that says Contact John. You can also support the program. You, you can also get some great merchandise in the shop right there at dipetro.com and it's all our links to social media whether it's facebook so you can watch facebook live or also twitter or youtube or instagram so take a minute and then also we have some great sponsors there as well it is a happening check it each day it's dipetro.com portion of the program brought to you by the coesed in check them out on the website dipetro.com the coesed in or Rhode island tradition since 1977 located 226 coesed avenue in west warwick whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge whether a nice dinner or even just appetizers there's always a great crowd you can link directly to them and gift certificates are available the coesed inn 226 coesed avenue in west warwick portion of the john DePietro show brought to you by the lodge pub and eatery stop in and see them 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln you know, delicious food inside the Lodge Pub and Eatery, a tradition since 1994. Also, check out the beautiful new deck that they've added. Hey, they're going to have some nice seating out there, and also they'll do the igloos. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln.